Hey everybody, welcome to the James Arnold Taylor Podcast. I am James Arnold Taylor. Look at that. It's convenient that I happen to be the one on the microphone. However, this show is called Talking to Myself. And so there are other characters that come in uh, from time to time, like my engineer, Hank. Hank is, well, he's supposed to be the engineer of the show. But as you can see, he's not here. And he rarely is when I start the show. He's supposed to push all the buttons for me. But I pretty much know what I'm doing. But uh, let's bring it. Hey, Hank. Hank. What do you need help on the mic? Hello, 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 hello. So you stop, stop touching the microphone. Hello, hello, hello. I'm going to make sure the microphone's on. Hello, 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 hello. All right, stop, stop, stop. Jeez, all right, touchy. No, no, the microphones are touchy. You don't just go smacking your finger on the microphone. It's a good, uh, good lesson here for you as the engineer. Yeah, well, you know, but I know I know more than you because I am, an, you know, I'm a trained engineer. You're not a trained, so you don't know all that. So really, so when you went to engineer school, they told you that that's the best way to test a microphone is to smack on it and go, hello, 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 hello. Yeah, well, why, well, what else would they do? <laughs> okay. So, Hank, uh, how was your week thus far? Yeah, my week, uh, you know, was good. We, uh, you know... So, I, so what do you, what do you, I don't mean to interrupt you in the middle of, yeah, you kind of came in in the middle of my set. I know, but just, I was just wondering what, what do you do on the weekends? What would be like a, an average day for Hank on the weekend? Well, you know, I got a lot of stuff. I put, I put around the house. I like that phrase, putter around the house. I, I put, put, putter around. <laughs> putter around. Okay. And I do stuff's about, you know, I clean the garage and, uh. And you check up stuff, you know, and check things out. You make sure everything's running right in the house and all for my wife and stuff, just like I do here with your equipment. You don't do any of that with my equipment. Well, you know, I, I check it out. I make sure it's good. Okay, so like, do you like, what do you do? Are you walk, watch a movie or you guys go to the movies or anything? No, we don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like going to the movies. You know, I, I am a huge movie fan, but I find I don't enjoy going to the movies as much anymore either. Why is it for you? Because there's always some guy shushing me in the middle of things when, you know, I'm, in, I'm, I'm telling my wife a story or something. Okay. You mean like before, like when you first sit down and you're talking before the trailers and everything come on? No, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, I'll be a whenever, you know, if I'm just telling her something, I'm going, shh, hey, shut up, shut up, you know, and I, I think that's rude. <laughs> so you're the guy. So, you know, I'm usually the other guy. Because you're uh, you're the guy that talks through the movies. Do you leave your cell phone on as well? What do you mean? Do I leave my cell? Phone? I leave my cell phone on all the time. Why wouldn't I leave my cell phone on? Because it's rude to have your cell phone on in the movie, and but then ring, and then you know people ring. What do you? What do you like from the 1970s, James? No, I'm just saying. Well, some people actually now. Come on, my wife uses that old-fashioned ringer as the sound effect on her phone. Okay, fair enough. Whatever. But no, you just, you know, if I'm watching a movie, I want to be comfortable. I want to be able to do whatever I got to do. You know, put my feet up and say, okay, so now, okay, yeah, you're also the guy that kicks my chair every time then. When I go to a movie, go to a movie, it doesn't matter. It seems like there's always somebody behind me kicking my chairs. Yeah, there's always some guy kind of going, hey, stop, stop kicking my chair. Well, yeah, that's me too, because you're, so you're, you're just everything. You're the polar opposite of me. I just, I can't, I don't know why you would, you, okay, do me a favor next time. You go to the movies. Yeah. Go in. Yeah. And don't have your cell phone on. Put it on silent or do not disturb. What are you, crazy? No. And don't put your feet up on the chair in front of you. And don't crinkle your packet. You, I bet you probably like wait 
to the most dramatic part of the movie and then you decide you're going to open that package of you know jujubes or whatever jujubes no no i like i like uh i like the gummy worms and the gummy bears and the gummy uh rings and the gummy sweet and soury okay you like the gummy i get it but that you open that package and everything yeah well you know you gotta open it you get when you want to eat you never know when you okay but i see here's what i do is you open it beforehand and then it's open and it's just ready to go yeah, but then somebody else could take them, you know, reach the hand in and get, and then all the air comes in and gets. What? You, when did you become a germaphobe? I don't understand what that worry you in any way. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't like it. Okay, so we're off on a tangent here, uh, Hank. When you uh, hang out at home, what do you watch at home? Oh, uh, you know, I like, uh, I like the TV. I like the old TV shows and stuff from, you know, when I was a kid and all. So really? Okay, so what do you, what's like your favorite? You like, uh, like the westerns or what western no i mean well kind of i like i like little house on the prairie <laughs> you like little house on the prairie yeah you know half pint and all them and uh, mr olsen and ooh, that mrs olsen she gets me so angry with this stuff and then nelly oh that nelly olsen <laughs> but okay but you're kind of like nelly you're like the nelly olsen of the movie theater though you're doing all the annoying things i don't know what you're talking about okay so you like you like Little House on the Prairie? You like um, like Pa and everything? Yeah, I like Pa and Ma, and I like the you know little uh, little Gracie, the little baby girl they got there, and later in the seasons, and then a uh, half by means that Zaldamo and the Zaldamo. No, it's Al Almanzo, Almanzo. Yeah, that's what I said. Zaldamo is what Mrs. Olsen, who you don't like, calls him. Ooh, that Mrs. Olsen. She's just always just, you know, causing trouble in it. Okay, you really... Wow, I didn't peg you as a as a uh, Little House on the Prairie guy, but uh, that's that's nice. So you and your wife, um, Maureen? My wife, Maureen, yeah. We like... She likes, uh, you know, maybe she likes more things like, um, you know, the action-y things. She likes the action and you like Little House on the Prairie? Yeah, she's not as big of a fan of it, a Little House, but I like, you know, I got them all on the iTunes. Okay, okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, Hank, uh, I... Well, no, I, I went and ask you, what did you do this weekend? Well, we hung out. I hang out with the family, my wife and my daughter, Lydia. Yeah, I see, I seen your daughter in there. She's doing her schoolwork. Yeah, that's why you got to... So, like, because we homeschool, so she's here while we're recording the podcast. She's working on stuff right now. So you're wandering around making noise and everything. That's probably kind of annoying to her. No, nah, she likes... She says, hey, Mr. Hank, how are you, Mr. Hank, sir? And I say, hello, Lydia, how are you? But she likes Mr. Announcer Guy. She's always asking him questions and stuff. Yeah, she does. Mr. Announcer Guy is her favorite. I'm sorry, but she is. Uh, she said that that's her favorite character on the show. We should probably bring him in since we're already almost eight minutes into the show and uh, we haven't announced the show. Well, you know, I could do the announcements again. You know, remember, I, I have a background of degrees in the radio, so I could do it. I know, I, you know, you, you, you did it once before and it, it wasn't that great. I think, I think I'll stick with Mr. Announcer Guy. No offense. Whatever, man. You want me to go get him? Yeah, you go get Mr. Announcer Guy and uh, go watch Little House or something. <laughs> I don't know. All right, I'll go get you. Let me get you, Mr. Announcer Guy. Hey, Mr. Announcer Guy. Yes, Hank. James, why don't you come in the show and do the show and announce the thing? All right, Hank. Let me. Hello, James. Hello, Mr. Announcer Guy. How are you? I'm great, James. How are you? I'm very good, too. Would you mind announcing the show for us? Certainly. Here we go. Welcome to Talking to Myself, the James Arnold Taylor podcast, The Jetcast. 
Episode 14. On today's show, James has part two of his interview with Alan Arnold. To share more about how Alan creates and helps creatives, plus listen to more of his book, The Story of With, A Better Way to Live, Love, and Create, plus your viewer emails and more. Now, here he is, James Arnold Taylor. Jetman. Ooh, you added a little Jetman at the end. And look at that. You did a whole, like, run-up of uh, the show, more like a like a TV show, you know, like, coming up today. That's right. Bringing all that good promo magic to the show, James. All right. Well, thanks, Mr. Announcer Guy. You, uh, are you gonna go now? No, I thought I'd hang out. Oh. I'm just kidding. Yes, I'm going to go now. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, you tricked me. All right. It is the James Arnold Taylor Podcast. Uh, I have learned new things about Hank, my engineer, and <laughs> that he likes Little House on the Prairie. I think that's great. Hey, uh, so many uh, cool things. I, mean, I did have some cool things. I was going to talk to him about it uh, this weekend. Things that are going on in my life. Uh, first off, uh, I just want to ask all of you to, uh, if you like the show, to make sure if you're listening on iTunes, uh, let them know by writing a review and giving me a five-star rating. Boy, is that helpful stuff to getting it to where we could uh, get more uh, listeners and uh, have it be promoted more, have people know about the show more. The more I get in there, you know, of, of uh, reviews and and uh, ratings and stuff, then it gets recognized as a podcast of, of interest to people. So... If you're listening on iTunes, please do that. If you're listening on uh, YouTube or uh, Spotify or any of these other places, well, give me whatever kind of review you can there as well. I sure appreciate it, and I sure hope you've been enjoying this show. We do have a lot of great stuff coming up today. I am going to do part two, play part two of my interview with Alan Arnold, my good friend, who is a writer and creator and producer, and uh, we're going to just talk more about creativity and finding yours and also the things that can hold you back. There's, uh, I'm going to do uh, three parts. I'm going to do this interview in three parts. So next week will be the conclusion of it. And there's going to be, uh, it's, we're going to go a little longer on that one. Today we're going to hear a good uh, 15 minutes or so of Alan and I talking about it. And then we're going to play a little bit from his book again, like we did last week, because I think it's pretty awesome to hear some of the book firsthand. And I may play you some of the stuff from the parts that I read, because Catherine Tabor read the parts of the story that are the allegory, and we'll get into what an allegory is and all of that later. And then I read the parts that are more uh, kind of instructional parts of the book. So we will talk with Alan Arnold later here on the show. We're going to also, uh, as Mr. Announcer Guy said, take your emails and stuff. But you know how it is. At first, I like to just kind of talk to you all and uh, talk about what's going on in my... Now, first off, everybody, remember the rules of the James Arnold Taylor podcast. Do you have some water with you? I've got my cup of water right here. I'm going to take a sip. I don't normally slurp my water, but I do it when I'm on the podcast so you all know that I'm actually drinking the water. So sip some water every once in a while, all right? Every time I say, and, uh, because I say, and, uh, a lot. So if you hear me say, and, uh, you better sip some water. No, you're going to, boy, you're going to over, over hydrate yourself if you do that. So some cool things and breathing. We also want you breathing. Okay, so let's take a nice big deep breath. Let's do that. You know, I think wherever you're listening, whatever you're doing right now, you can stop, take some nice big deep breaths and breathe in some positivity. 
some creative, positive, breathe that in. Just think, I am, I am, this is my time. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to listen to Jat and him talk to his friend Alan and other things going on and all the characters on the show. And I'm just going to relax and enjoy. So get into a state to where you can relax and enjoy. Drink some water, do some deep breathing, think positively because that's what this show is really all about. Even though it's fun stuff to talk about all the, the fun things I've done in the world of pop culture and all as a voice actor. I am a voice actor in Hollywood, the voice of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Fred Flintstone, Johnny Test, Leonardo, the Ninja Turtle, the Flash, Spider-Man, and so many more. But a Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank. But I am also here to be an ambassador of inspiration to you and help you achieve and find those dreams and stick to them. So you can check me out on YouTube at James Arnold Taylor. Uh, user James Arnold Taylor is the the name there. Just search James Arnold Taylor at YouTube and you'll find my channel. Subscribe to that channel if you have not already because there's literally hundreds of videos. Some to entertain simply, some to inform, some to educate, some to inspire, some to make you laugh, some to make you think. There's a video for everyone there at my website. You know, probably the most popular video I have on my website is the one from my stage show. It's a bit I call similar voices, although I think on there it just says voice impressions by James Arnold Taylor. It's the end of my stage show. I have a stage show called Talking to Myself that I've taken all over the world and performed to thousands, tens of thousands of people all over the world. And they have enjoyed it and I've truly enjoyed doing it for them. In the show, I talk about my life as a voice actor and I talk about the characters that I play from Fred Flintstone to Obi-Wan and all beyond. And uh, at the end of the show, because I, I'm known for doing a lot of voices, I show people how a lot of voices are connected. And I just kind of connect the voice. You start with this voice and you go to that voice and you add some texture and you get this voice and you add, raise up the pitch and you get this voice and you raise the, the lower the pitch, you get that voice. And it's that kind of a thing. It's a fun little thing that I just created just to entertain people and to show them and also to just uh, have fun with it. Uh, one thing I did do recently, and I've had a few people comment, is I took comments off of of that particular video. That video is almost at 4 million views, which for me is fantastic. Most of my videos, you know, uh, I don't know, 1,000, 1,200, 2,000, 5,000, you know, views on things. The bigger ones I get a lot more, but on that one I've got, uh, you know, almost 4 million views but a lot of the a lot of them are just so people can sit there and go that guy's not so good and of course those are the people that really want to put all those comments and it's not so much that i might look i don't expect everybody to like it i really don't but what i don't like and i i just don't have the time to monitor it is all the profanity people are so it's just it amazes me how people can be so profane and just without even thinking we are uh, in a culture now that we're supposed to be so comfortable with ourselves and able to do whatever we want that we can talk however i mean you go to a restaurant with a child and you realize how much uh, swearing people do so it's really the reason why i took the comments off of that one particular video is all of the um profanity of the people that were negative about it now look i don't love negative comments people can still put the thumbs down like that one person that puts thumbs down on every one of my videos they can't wait to just do it and i know they're not actually listening or uh, watching the content because they uh the video can come out and it can be like an hour-long video or like one of these podcasts 90 minutes and within the first 20 minutes of it being posted, I'll get a thumbs down, which is from this one person. I don't know what I've done to that person. I'm sorry, person. If you've, uh, you know, I'm thinking about making a video that just says, look, 
Didn't mean to offend you, but please stop putting that one thumb down on every single one of my videos, or at least watch the entire thing, put a thumbs down, and then make a comment. Put a comment up saying why, and then maybe we can come to an agreement and fix it. But no, that's it. So anyways... Do the negative comments bug me? Sure they do. They bug all of us. Nobody wants to have a negative comment. Nobody wants that stuff. And it's not, it's, you know, look, I, I don't mind constructive or um, realistic criticism, but uh, but the other, eh, it's, it's no fun, is it? I don't think so. All right, off on a tangent there, but what did I do this week? What's going on in the world of James Arnold Taylor? Jat, what's, what's jat-a-tat-tat? Hey, here's something that's fun, that's new, uh, that I got this last week, and I was posting about it on uh, Instagram and stuff, is I subscribed to this DC Universe streaming service. Have you, have you seen the DC Universe streaming service? Now, for those of you that uh, may not know, there's DC and Marvel. Those are the two different comic book uh, groups, although I think most people understand DC and Marvel, especially if you're listening to this podcast. So Marvel, of course, owned now by Disney, but they didn't used to be. And Marvel is the ones that uh, do things like the Avengers and Spider-Man and Iron Man and Hulk and Thor and uh, Captain America and all of those characters. The X-Men, those are all Marvel characters. And then DC, Superman, Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, um, just so many wonderful characters. Wonder Woman, all these great characters as well. So what was I? People always ask me that. Growing up, they'll say like, because I'm because I voice a lot of these characters in both worlds. I'm the Flash, the fastest man alive, the Flash, Barry Allen, the Flash. I voice his voice for all the Lego stuff and for something that I was just about to talk about, Young Justice, which is a show that came out and was very popular, like a cult following popular. And then they only made two seasons of it and they left it at a cliffhanger, very dramatic, climactic cliffhanger. And then the show got canceled. And now, thanks to the DC Universe app, which I think is great. And I think it's like if you do it monthly, it's like $7.99. But if you do the yearly one, which I did, I think it was like 80 bucks. So, and I could, I could be wrong, but I think they give you a discount of like, it's, they cut it down to like $79.99, I think is what I paid for the year of DC Universe. Now, why is that cool? If you're a comic book fan, it's pretty darn cool. Why? Because they have comic books on this thing. So if you have it, like you're looking on your phone or your uh, iPad or something, man, it's cool. They've got tons, they've got hundreds, if not thousands of old comic books on there that you can read, which is just really neat. And then they have tons of old TV shows. They have the classic old Wonder Woman and they got the Flash, the original Flash TV series and uh, old movies. They got the Batman movies and all Batman show and all this stuff, just fun classic superhero fun stuff. We watched Superman the other night. I showed my daughter the original Superman, which was, for me, that was, boy, what was that, 1978 or so, I think that came out. I loved Superman. Christopher Reeve as Superman, oh my goodness. He was he was just uh, such a wonderful uh, epitome of the character and of Clark Kent. Now, come on. Now, the other guys have played Superman and stuff, but Clark Kent, there's a skill in that, especially for somebody that was as tall, dark, and handsome as as Chris Reeve was. Uh, I mean, that was, uh, he just was so great bumbling and stuff because you look and you go, okay, come on. How can anybody not recognize that he's Superman? I don't know. When he's Clark, he just, he he puts an air on that you go, yeah, okay, I might not right off the bat put it together. You know, it's just fun. It's just very fun. So I showed my daughter that she liked it. Although her comment was there was no battles or anything. 
She's so used to like now all these current movies, they just destroy every city, every place, every superhero walks in and they just destroy stuff. Kind of drives me crazy personally. But uh, so she was like, yeah, it was good. It was fun. She liked the storyline. And you know what? I think it is a wonderful storyline. Going to drink some water. Come on, everybody. Ah, water is good for you. It hydrates the body. It's important. And not, a, not enough of us drink enough water. So that's why I'm having you drink water when you uh, watch and listen uh, to the podcast here. Well, you don't watch it. You listen to it. And I was watching that Superman and I was thinking somebody ought to just recreate that Superman. Take that script, that story, update it, modernize it, which they kind of did with the one, what was it? Superman Returns or whatever with um, uh, Brandon. Oh, was it Brandon Ralph? Is that his last name? How you pronounce it? I thought he was wonderful. I liked that movie too. People didn't like that movie. I, I liked that Superman. I did not care for Man of Steel and all those. I'm sorry. Sorry, DC. I love you guys, but th those ones just didn't do it for me. Batman and Superman. Whoa. Oh my gosh. I couldn't get through it. I couldn't get through it. Anyways, um, no offense, Ben Affleck, but uh, Christian Bale, much, uh, much more uh, my speed for Batman. And we watched, uh, we might, so my, my daughter and I have also been watching all of those Batman, Batman, uh, Dark Knight series, you know, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises. So we watched Dark Knight Rises last night uh, to finish the trilogy of films. And boy, I don't know what you all thought of it. I personally, I loved that movie. I thought it was so great. Christopher Nolan is a, a fantastic filmmaker. I think he did a great job with it. Uh, Anne Hathaway was fun in it as Catwoman. There was a dark, I mean, it's a very dark movie. But it's also, there is an underlying power in that movie because of the fact that it's about one guy doing the right thing no matter what. That boy that makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up you know it is so that i just thought was great and she loved it she loved the music she goes oh the music yeah the music hans zimmer's music in this is so powerful and great and there's just wonderful moments bane you know i think he's a great character except for the fact that it's really hard to understand half of the stuff he's saying you know he's He's always, he's got that, that Sean Connery kind of voice and he's saying, well, Batman, I'm here to destroy you, you know, and, but then he starts talking and saying sorts of things and and I go, I, I caught about three of those words. I don't know everything he said there. But he said to you, well, you should not And then that's it. You know, so that part, a little hard to understand. I almost needed subtitles for Bane sometimes, but still beautifully played by Tom Hardy. Great actor. Here's the one thing. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about some things in this movie. If you have not seen Dark Knight Rises, I'm sorry. Uh, you may, um, I don't know, you may skip ahead or something. But uh, there's a part where they're talking about the little kid that lives in the uh, prison there, you know? And now when I first saw it, this was a uh, second or third time I've seen the movie now showing it to my daughter. When I first saw it, I went, Oh, see, I know that the kid is not Bane. You know how I know? Because I can tell the, the guy that is helping the kid is Tom Hardy. I could tell by his act, even though his face is covered and stuff, I could tell it was his body and his movements. So see, that's that part. You know, I don't know if maybe they did that on purpose. Anyways. So anyways, love that movie. Uh, one of my favorite parts, there's uh, some of my favorite parts of that movie are uh, 
Oh, see, and I'm going to choke up talking about it because, and then watching it with my daughter, it's more powerful. I've talked about this with the prequels. When you watch it with your child and there's powerful moments, boy, I get choked up. I, I, oh, I'm a crier at movies, man. It doesn't matter what movie it is. I will, uh, I will get choked up and, uh, and teared up on powerful moments. Get that lump in your throat. I love that too, though. I think that that's a powerful thing. Alan Arnold and I talk about that, uh, in our interview here at some point, but, um, Anyways, uh, in the film, there's a couple of really po- poignant, powerful moments. One is with Alfred at the end when, um, again, spoiler alert. Sorry, I'm talking about the end of the movie. But, you know, the movie came out a long time ago. I'm assuming most of you have seen it. If you haven't, I'm sorry. But when he's there at the uh, grave of all the Waynes and he's he's crying and saying, I I've, I've failed you. I'm sorry, I failed you. Oh, my gosh. Rip your heart out. And then... But the most, here's the most telling one to me, was when Commissioner Gordon is, Batman has got like a minute left to take the bomb out of the city on that gigantic bat, flying batmobile thing he's got. And uh, Commissioner Gordon's like, I never even found out who you were. I don't know who you are. And he says, you know, it's not important, but he says like, uh, you, you know, you helped, you helped a young boy, gave him your coat and told him everything would be all right when he needed it oh and then they do a flashback of when bruce wayne's parents are killed and commissioner gordon is not commissioner gordon he's just he's just a beat cop and he's putting his coat on young bruce wayne and saying you know it's okay oh my gosh that part rips my heart out stomps it on the floor and just oh it oh it's so powerful really beautiful stuff and i just thought they just ended the story of bruce wayne and batman so well in that movie i love it i love this final scene with alfred and bruce wayne and and catwoman and everything oh my gosh good stuff anyways okay so i'm just you know i'm talking about these things because i feel like some of these things are interesting to a lot of you i try to bring in the pop culture stuff what i find interesting and enjoying but it's way off on a tangent about the dc universe app because those movies and stuff are available on there and so we've been watching them but also young justice is now on the dc universe app season three a brand new season and they're releasing episodes uh weekly i believe and they just released, I think, three more because my daughter is uh, fanatical about Young Justice. And the funny thing is, is she was fanatical about it before uh, she even knew I was in it. So I play the Flash on that. Now, I took over playing the Flash for George Eads. Now, George is a on-camera actor primarily, and he was on CSI, uh, Crime Scene Investigation. He was star of that show and so he's just you know his schedule's busy and such so they got me to come in and voice match him so the last i don't know last three or four episodes of season two of young justice i voice the flash and from this point out i am the voice of the flash on that show but i also had to come in and replace another uh, actor who i greatly admire and had worked with in the past and this one is uh something that i just i take great uh uh thanks for being able to come in and that is tim curry the wonderful wonderful man tim curry a performer actor uh, extraordinaire really a brilliant actor and he voices uh, g gordon godfrey on the show but uh i have taken over for mr curry uh as g gordon in season three and you can see my name in the credits now i didn't know i've kept very quiet about it because i just i wanted to be respectful to him uh mr curry had a stroke uh 
a, a couple years back, and it's made it more difficult for him to be able to, um, you know, still get to characters the same way and such. And so, God bless him. I I am just uh, honored to be able to take over, and I hope I am doing the character justice for all of you fans of Young Justice. So my thanks to all of you for accepting me. I've received some very nice uh, comments and such about my performance as G. Gordon Godfrey. Um, doing my best to not just impersonate what Mr. Curry does, but to try to bring the same flavors uh, and just brilliance to the character. I mean, he is so brilliant with this character. He goes everywhere with it. And it's just, it's an interesting character to do. And so, because there's highs and lows and he goes in places you never would expect. He's got this wonderful voice. It's just really kind of Tim Curry just at his best, just playing. So if you think a character would go up with a line of dialogue, he goes down and he takes it down into here. And, and then he might bring it up and up into this place and then he'll bring it down into here. And he just has fun. So I've had fun doing the voice, but again, I do it with as much uh, uh, thanks and grace as I can for taking over uh under the circumstances for Mr. Curry on the show. So, Young Justice fans, season three, if you want to watch it, get the DC Universe app. I, you know, I get nothing from DC for saying that. I'm just a fan of it, just like you, and I'm paying the the yearly membership uh, to have the app as well, just like all of you, just like I will do with the Star Wars uh, to watch Clone Wars when it comes out on the Disney one. But anyway, so uh, that's what I've been doing. That's uh, some of the stuff I wanted to talk about. So, uh, Young Justice is out. And you can see me there uh, as those characters. And that's uh, pretty pretty darn fun for me. And uh, there you go. Hey, what do you say we get to that interview with Alan Arnold? Now, for those of you that joined me last week on the show, Alan Arnold is a, uh, as I say, an author, a uh, keynote speaker. He is somebody that coaches creative people and helps them find deeper meaning in their own lives, in their own creativity, in their own stories. And I spoke with Alan. We're, we're very good friends. We've been friends for many years. And I said, boy, it'd be wonderful to have you on the podcast because he wrote a book called The Story of With, A Better Way to Live, Love, and Create. And then Catherine Tabor and I recorded the audio version of the book uh, the last year. And it came out and it's been doing very well and people love it. And it is a lot of fun. And it is so there. The, the book is a combination of like a guide to helping you achieve your dreams and goals and giving you tools through kind of a narrative thing and then there's an allegory now what is an allegory people might ask what what is an allegory it's a it's a literary device uh it's an allegory is a metaphor in which a character place or event is used to deliver a broader message about real world issues and occurrences so says wikipedia thank you wikipedia make sure you all go and donate to wikipedia keep it alive there okay so um so an allegory is kind of a metaphor for one story. And that is exactly what he's done here. And he's drawn, a painted a beautiful painting uh, in allegory form of a character named Mia. And we talked about Mia before. If you, if you joined us last week, we were talking about the story of With and the story of Mia and her journey as a character, the main uh, character in this story. And that it's a female character, but that she's really kind of every person. She is not necessarily playing just to a female audience or a male audience or anything she's just playing to the audience in general and we are all able to relate to this character and that's where we left off in our conversation and then we played a section of the book in audio form from the lovely uh, Catherine Tabor who is one of my dearest friends in the world 
And I'm gonna play more of the book here today. What I'm gonna do is I'm going to intersperse a little of Alan and I talking. Then we're gonna cut back to a scene from the book read by Catherine Tabor. Then we're gonna cut back to Alan and I talking. And then we're gonna cut to a section of the book that is my part, that is part of the introduction of the book and one of the stories about uh, finding your missing superpowers and such. Then we're gonna cut back to the interview with Alan and I and finish off the section. So kind of a, a meshing of both the book and the interview here in this segment on the James Arnold Taylor Talking to Myself podcast. I feel like what this is going to do is give you a sense of what the book's about, what Alan's about, and hopefully get you excited about experiencing the story of With. So for you now, my interview with Alan Arnold, we're picking up from where we left off on the last week's interview, where we're talking about the character of Mia and how and why he went about creating her. Let's take a listen. I wrote it in a way that I really wanted it to appeal to anyone, young or old, male or female, but I did feel like there was something special about making the protagonist female and putting her on this search, um, yeah. partially because of her name. But that was just, you know, people talk about, authors talk about a lot when they start a story, it begins often with the singular image. And mm. for C.S. Lewis, when he wrote Narnia, yeah. that image was, of course, the, the lamppost yeah. and it was snowing. Yep. And there was this red umbrella and this creature holding this red umbrella right. with a package. And with that package, was his... Yep. It wasn't Aslan. It was that image that that was, he said, now I want to figure out what this means. So I'm stepping into story. And my first image was Mia really stepping into this fantastical world where she has these four vials and she has to figure out what they need, how to fill them in order to return back into her life. And those four vials hold the secret, not just to what she needs to return, but what we need in our own world. And so it is, there's a psychotic, you know, raven that pursues her. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very fantastical. It's larger than life. And yet the allegory ultimately drives home. What is our true home? What is our true identity? And how do we really pursue what we were put here to pursue? Though she was sure they remained in the forest, Mia now could hear the clinking of glasses and the hiss of an espresso machine. I smell coffee. Open your eyes, Mia. They sat at a metal table with two steaming cups of coffee before them. Mia jerked her hands away. What's going on? Is this the other place? No. We are in story. Looks like a coffee shop to me. How do you think a story is supposed to look? This coffee shop is in the basement of an old brownstone building. That's where this part of your story begins. I get it. I'm really in the forest, but I'm seeing the story you're telling, like a vision or dream. You dream when you are asleep. Story requires you to be fully awake. And Mia, the consequences here last longer than any dream. But none of this is real, right? It depends what you mean by real. Mia looked around them. Where's my backpack? It's not needed for your journey. Iona reached into her jacket and handed Mia a small brown leather pouch tied with rope. But this is. Mia untied the string at the top and set the pouch on the table. Within were four glass vials in two rows of two. They were held in place by thin velvet straps. She lifted them out, one at a time. Each was a unique shape and color with words carved into the glass. 
One was blood red with a heart etched into it. The word, Awaken, was inscribed along the side. The one that appeared to be the oldest had a pearl-like finish. On it was the word, Together. Another was a deep blue and had identity carved into it. The last was a seafoam green color and resembled the kind of bottle you'd put a note in and cast to the sea, except it was no larger than a test tube. She ran her fingers over the word on that vial. Expectant. Each was sealed with a cork, even though the vials were empty. Mia looked at Iona. What am I supposed to do with these? You need them for your journey. Keep them in the pouch for now. Mia gave the vials one last look, then put them in the leather pouch and slipped it into her jacket pocket. Iona reached across the table and took hold of Mia's hands. You can't return as long as the vials remain empty. Wait, return from where? Why, the story, of course. Iona brushed a strand of silver hair from her face. What goes in them? Whatever each requires. A vial must be filled at every level. Satisfy it, and you move forward. Don't. And you don't. Say things go wrong. Can you get me out? If you quit, you won't make it out of the story. Iona's eyes darted to the tables around them. I need to leave before the enemy senses my presence here. The enemy is here? How do I stay safe? You'll have help. Mia took a deep breath, trying to reassure herself. I'll be fine. I mean, this is a story, not a matter of life and death. Iona held her ceramic coffee mug in front of Mia, then let it drop. It shattered on the tile floor, hot coffee splashing their shoes on the base of the table. The people at tables near them stared for a moment, then went back to their conversations. Iona picked up a piece of ceramic from the floor. She pricked her finger with it. A thin line of blood appeared. Are you insane? What happens here is real, Mia. Get cut, you bleed. Get killed, you die. Um, I called it the story of with because really our story comes down to, are we doing life with or without God? Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, you can, we can believe in God and we can still not do life with him. We can know about God and still not know him. And it's important to know him, I think, James, in two ways. First, because it's the first two ways he introduces who he is to us, and that is as father and creator. Yeah. And so really the book takes people into, if we're not an orphan, then we're a son or daughter because yeah. we have a father. And yeah. what does life look like if we pursue life not as if it's all up to us, but as a son or daughter. And what does it look like then if we learn how to co-create with God and, and, and follow in his footsteps of creativity? And just real quick, one of the main things I think in the book that excites me the most and I hear the most feedback on is it really offers a new definition of creativity for people. Yeah. And, and I think a better one. Yeah. And I would define creativity and do in the book as bringing something new into existence mm -hmm. through your presence and through your art. So it's bringing something new into existence through yeah. who you are and through how you create. And, and so can a stay-at-home mom 
be incredibly creative, you bet she's changing that atmosphere yeah. around her all day long in creative ways. Yeah. Can a barista, can a, you know, can an architect, an accountant, a poet, a chef? Yes to all of those, because each of those people, it's not just what they're doing, but mm-hmm. when you step into a room or I step into a room, we actually are, are infusing it with our creativity by our presence. It starts there, not with just what we do, but with who we are first. You're missing superpowers. Now, maybe you've never been that driven. Perhaps you struggle with passivity. But can we agree something important has been lost? I mean, even if you can't put your finger on it, there's a yearning inside, a sense that there has to be more. I was recently waiting for a friend at a large gathering. Beside me was the lost and found bin. A woman walked up, peered in, and sorted through the various items. As she left empty-handed, she quipped, Just seeing if my superpowers were in there. Exactly! Something essential has gone missing. You've just been searching for it in the wrong place. This is good news. It means you're not crazy for feeling that way. And it gets better. Because what's lost can be found. Once you know where to look for it. What if this untapped strength we've lost track of is hidden in plain sight? What if the answer lies within our distinct desires, talents, and creativity? Could the God of all creation have placed inside us before we were even born a homing device that ultimately would lead us back to Him? In other words, could the one thing we're most passionate about and skilled at doing also reveal the way to more life, love, and creativity? That's not what the world teaches us. From childhood, it seems the message is that creativity is rare and reserved for the elite few. While it would be nice if everyone possessed a unique ability or talent, we're told that most folks didn't receive the secret sauce at birth. But what if we did? What if you did? For the moment, simply reorient yourself to this truth. You are creative. Now, you may not feel like it. You may not have experienced the reality of this yet. Or you may have been met with rejection when you share your unique talents with others. But you are creative. How could it be otherwise? Your bloodline traces back beyond your parents. The DNA of the Creator pulses through you. And the one who created sunsets, oceans, stars, and laughter cannot create something that doesn't have His eternal spark within it. He does not make generically creative beings. He wove into each of us a specific set of interests, passions, and curiosity which holds clues to our greater destiny and our truer selves. The answer isn't simply in discovering your creative gift. Many know and pursue their talents daily. If successful, it's how they're defined or come to define themselves. And yet, the hunger persists. There has to be more than simply understanding what you can do well. Perhaps you've been told or believe that you aren't creative, which also has enormous consequences. It closes a door to freedom and a far greater story for you and everyone who could benefit from that gift. Now, some of our dreams have been met with disinterest, others with applause. Outwardly, these responses appear to be on opposite ends of the spectrum, yet both have the same foundation. They're tethered to human validation. Over time, we begin to chase the approval of others rather than our original dreams. To counter this pull, you have to go back to why you were given your gifts in the first place. 
it wasn't to win the approval of others. Your specific interests and talents are actually more powerful than that. They offer a gateway to discover your truer identity and an entirely new way to pursue your dreams. If God weaves specific talents into each of us, the question is, why? What is his motive? I believe he gives each of us a particular calling so he can then spend time with us on that unique playground. This is a way for you and God to get to know each other better as you create together. Yet clearly, something is missing. Because what I just described isn't the way most people pursue their gifting or dreams. So getting back to it, Alan, that is huge. That is, I think, one of the biggest things with you know, millennials and Generation Z now as well, trying to find their way. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of listeners here fit within that place. And I think a lot of times they don't feel like when they step into a room, anything happens, that anybody cares, that there's anything really going on. And I think it's so important for people to realize, no, you are an energy. You are, you are, uh, you know, a power, a creative power that when you walk in, people feel that and you have that then ability and that choice to say, I'm going to embrace this. I, I really want people to do that. That's why I thought it was just so important for us to talk about it all and to talk about your book and we'll talk about other things too. But I do, I mean, I just think that the book is just such a great way. And I love that I was, I was looking at this one part and it's one of the parts I got to read in the book, which I love is, uh, you, you know, you talk about a journal, an adventure journal. Yes. And uh, maybe you can explain exactly what that is because I think a lot of people do journal a little here and there. They have a notebook and stuff, but the adventure journal, this is really important stuff, isn't it? Oh, it's incredibly important. And journaling, when we talk about journaling, James, I don't mean uh, journaling like you're, you're documenting yeah. uh, every aspect of your Got day. up and had a sandwich. Right. Yeah, and, no. and then we went to dinner here. And, oh, right. let me write the grocery list and, and right. you know, um, those kind of things. There, right. There's other places to capture that if you want to. An yeah. adventure journal, what I'm talking about is it, it starts with a primary assumption. And the assumption is that you and God are going to be on an adventure together. Mm-hmm. And so there's an expectancy that, and by the way, I carry my journal with me. I go through them quickly, so I keep yeah. getting new ones. But I can be at a basketball game where nice. my kids are playing you know, in a sport. I can be yeah. at a movie uh, where it's dark 99% of the time, you know. but I have yeah. a pen in my pocket and I have a huh. journal with me at all times, wherever I'm at. Because my heart is set in an expectancy that God may be about to tell me something or show me something, and and we're on this journey together, and the journal is reflective of that. Yeah. And so the entire process, like it requires trust and faith, uh, because what you're saying is God is going to show up, and my life is that you know we talked about our lives being a story. Well, right. if my life and your life is a story, and the listener's life is a story. We may, you know, some listeners may go, yeah, 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 I got it. Life is a story. Right. But dive deeper. Like, I would ask you, what is the theme of your story right now? Right. Like, if you're listening to this, try mm-hmm. in a sentence or two, a phrase mm-hmm. maybe, what is the theme? If we watch the latest Star Wars movie or Indiana Jones or yeah. any, you know, Lord of the Rings, we could quickly say, oh, the theme of that movie was X. Well, yep. what is the theme of this part of your life? And a lot of people lived very unexamined lives where they could tell you the movie theme. Mm-hmm. But when you ask, I've asked a lot of people this over dinner, coffee, and most of the time it's a blank stare 
Yeah. And it's wow. I like, I need to take some time on that one. And that's good. Take some time, but that's why the journal is there. It allows you to explore your life and to see your life as a journey that you're on and you're doing this with God. So anyway, it's, um, you know, it's a great way to remind yourself with something tactile and tangible that this is not an ordinary day. Our right. life is not an ordinary life. We are invited into something so fantastical, and yet we see our life in such mundane terms. And so yeah. the journal for me, when I have it just for that purpose, yeah. just for a journey that God and I are on, it brings me in my own life back into the mythic. It reminds me life is far more than I can see sometimes with my eyes. There's a mythic story. Yeah. I'm a part of it. And now I get to document and share thoughts and write down ideas as God and I go through it together. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, it's great because the thing I love about this podcast and and what I've been doing with it is I've been just trying to show people my life and show them who I am, you know, within my world of pop culture, fun and all of that, but who I am as a person and how I think about things. And, you know, some of my listeners are not they are of no faith. Uh, some of them are not of Christian faith. They might be of, you know, uh, a Muslim faith or uh, they might be a Jewish or, or something completely different. And I think that it's just really important that everybody uh, sees the one main thing here is that I'm not afraid of my faith. I'm not afraid to say God is my, uh, my best friend in this. And uh, Alan certainly isn't as well. And, and I just encourage people to step out and know exactly what you believe. Because we all, we got, I think we both got to this place because we asked ourselves, and this goes along with what Alan's talking about, what do I believe? What do I really believe about my life and, and my journey and, and where I'm going? And that led me to God. It very, it very, quickly uh, led me to there is a creator he created me he created everyone he loves us and he wants us to have a bigger and better life than what we currently see so i just encourage everybody to uh to see that within their own life too and so that's that's why i'm also uh encouraged to be able to talk like this about all of this alan with you and everything too because you know there's just so many folks out there that are just searching for things and i don't know i i don't think it needs to be that tricky does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. And, and I understand why for so many people, um, religion is a turnoff. Yeah. And what I would say to them, and it's one of my favorite quotes that John Eldridge has said, who wrote Wild at Heart. He said the other day, even again to me, God is one of the least religious people you'll ever meet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like if you, if you, like religion is not the goal. Right. The goal is is simply knowing your creator. Right. And so like you're saying, it's it's really not difficult if you it's 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 man and it's religion that have tried to make it complicated and cumbersome. Right. But if you step into a faith journey by simply saying, God, I want to know if you're there, yeah, I want to know you as a father. Right. I'm your daughter, I'm your son. Just show me who you are as a father. If you can, you know, the listeners can just step into that much faith or trust of if you're there, then show me. Yeah. And be expectant for what that will look like. Because in the very, just read the first few pages of scripture. It's, it's the most fascinating. If you love creativity. Yeah. You know, the first few chapters of Genesis are all about beginnings and creativity. Yeah. And you will see God in action as father and creator and ask him to show you himself in those ways in your life. And I think that is such a simple thing to start with. Right. And then and then from there, 
God can father you in all kind of ways. Yeah. But start with that, I think. And it's simple. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I thank you for saying that. And thank you for sharing that with everybody. Because I, I do. I think, you know, we've gotten so far away from it all. And we kind of, oh, we look at it funny and stuff. And 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 John Eldridge is absolutely right about that. It's, I, and I've said that because people say, oh, you're religious. I say, no, I'm not actually religious. I just have a <laughs> one-on-one relationship here that I try to kind of just keep. And, and you know, I don't, I don't ever try to push it on anybody. But I also have made like this podcast and my own life of space where I just talk about it just openly. And this is, this is who it is. This is who I am and how it is. So uh, I think it's refreshing for people to hear that. And I hope it is uh, for everybody. Well, James, let me, uh, let me just add one thing that may be a fun way for your listeners to try something. Yeah. Okay. I, I think God gives us our creativity as a homing device Mm. and the homing device. It's really what we love to do is wired into our DNA from before we were born, I would say. So whatever it is that you love and I love and the listener loves, it's each unique. And Mm -hmm. each of us, we didn't just wake up one day and decide we wanted to try it. I believe it was wired in us and we got to figure it out kind of step by step as we matured and and piece by piece as we grew up. Well, I believe because God is creator, capital C, that he uses that as a homing device to draw us to him. So a wonderful way to get to know God as creator is take the very thing that you love to do mm-hmm. and then invite him into it. Let it draw him into you because no matter what you are most talented at, God is the most talented at that mm-hmm. of any being ever. Right. right. Whether, you're, whether you're a surfer, a painter, an artist, an architect, a, a voice talent, whatever it is you love to do, God is the ultimate creative source for that. And so let your creativity draw you into God as creator. Not only will it give you more intimacy and a more awakened sense of your creativity, but I think your art will come more alive too, because all of a sudden you're co-creating with the creator. So that's just, you know, in this journey that we're inviting people into, it's not religious. It's actually saying, take where you are, take what you love and just ask God into that, invite him in to pursue it with you in an active, intimate way. Yeah. And as you start to know him that way, I think you'll then go deeper and deeper into what it means to love God. But that's a good starting place is your creativity. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I would not, uh, I would not know him without creativity. I mean, my whole creativity is what saved me as a child, you know, as a kind of a latchkey kid growing up in a really kind of dark environment. And, uh, I knew somewhere deep in my soul that someone created that for me and, and that was greater than me. And, uh, I needed to find out who he was. So, you know, that was my journey just starting like that too. So just very much like going, okay, if you're there, show me. And, you know, the burden's not on you. The burden's on him, and he'll show up. So that is a little bit more of the story of With and a little more of my interview with Alan Arnold. We're going to continue and conclude that next week here on the JATCast, where I will conclude. We're going to actually have a, a little longer section of interview with Alan and I next week and perhaps play you a little more of the book. But I wanted to play you a little more of the book here today, give you a sense of what some of the other parts of the book, the parts that I got to read there, are about. And... I think it's just fascinating stuff. I think it is a wonderful tool for any of you that are looking to find more creative parts of you that uh, have grown stagnant or have grown tired, uh, have grown over, 
you know, to where you feel as though things have grown over them and you can't get to them anymore. Ways to dig those things out of you and find them. And Alan is a wonderful person for helping people find that. We're going to talk more about what he does creatively with other creatives next week on the podcast when we continue that. But my thanks to Alan. Please go to Amazon.com. Check out the book, The Story of With. A Better Way to Live, Love, and Create by Alan Arnold. You can get the Kindle version, you can get the regular paperback version, or you can get the Audible version, the audio version. You can get all three, actually. Uh, Many people, many of you have actually said that you've got either the book or the Kindle version and the audio, so you can listen along as you read. And I think that that's wonderful, and I really appreciate it because... You know, Alan's a wonderful man and he put this book out and I want you to support it. I think one of the most important things I can do on this podcast is to support creativity and creatives that make more stuff. So that's why I always like to share and spread the good word of good things that are being done and help you all find those things. And then, of course, also to consider purchasing them and helping the the, the whole machine along of all of us trying to become better people. So there you go. My time with Alan Arnold will conclude that next week here on the JackCast. But now, let's take some of your emails. Yeah, bob, 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 bob. Yes, oh, oh, no, hello, James. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, Bob. Did you have a nice weekend and week so far? Because we're on, it's Wednesday now for everybody. Oh, yeah, no, in, in doobly-doo, in doobly-dee, I did. I, uh... Now, what would you do? Now, so, Hank, I was talking to Hank earlier, and he was saying he watches Little House on the Prairie on the weekends with his wife. And... <laughs> I never would have guessed he would watch that, but uh, how about you? What do you What do you do on the weekends? Oh, I did some uh, skydiving, and I wait, 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 wait. you skydive? Oh yeah, oh, yes, I absolutely. I I like to uh, I like to skydive quite a bit. I go with a, a group, and we have a, a a small group of friends, and we all go and we jump out of airplanes. I, <laughs> I know nothing about all of you people. No, see, Hank, I don't expect him to jump out of airplanes, but I would expect that more out of him. And you sitting home watching Little House on the Prairie, no offense, then him and you jumping out of airplanes. That's very surprising to me. Oh, yes. Well, no, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And it's like you're flying. It's like I'm a superhero. Because, you know, I am a, I'm a big fan of uh, all the superheroes. And I love, I love all of your work as a, as a superhero as well, James. You do. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I love uh, with, with the Flash, although the Flash doesn't fly. He he runs quite fast. Yeah, you know, and uh, and and he can vibrate through walls and stuff. He's very exciting. Hey, did you know about the uh, Lego Flash movie? I did. Uh, I did this film last year. Well, it came out last year. I recorded it like almost three years ago. Isn't that crazy? No, that's very crazy indeed. Yes, we all know. I I love the Flash movie that you did, Lego Flash. Yes, I think it's a, it's a lot of fun. Okay, so what do we got? We got some. Uh, we've got some good emails, don't we? Oh, we most certainly do. All right, what do you got? Okay, well, we have uh, one from Kevin in the United States. Kevin in the United States. What does Kevin say? Oh, and it says. Oh, and I just noticed down at the bottom. It says he's from North Mississippi. M I S S I S S I P P I. Oh yeah, yes, Mississippi. Yeah, no, I was just doing. You know, that used to be the thing when I was a kid. Somebody say Mississippi, and then everybody would say M I S S I S S I S I P P I. They'd spell it. Yes. Okay. Well, he's from North Mississippi. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just breaking the flow, aren't I, Bob? Well, no. I mean, a little. 
a little, but let me go ahead and read his email. It says, Hey James, I'm getting caught up on your podcast. I am currently listening to episode four. My question for you is, have you considered either converting or doing JAT 365 on your podcast? I love your show. Glad to hear uh, you and your family are back home safe after the smoke smell dissipated from the fires there in California. Keep up the good work. Yeah, well, thank you, Kevin. Yeah, we had uh, fires here, and we talked about that. I actually did an episode about that as well on the uh, podcast. Thank you. So Kevin is asking about my book, JAT365, which I've talked about on the show before. Uh, It's uh, 365 Daily Inspirations for the Pursuit of Your Dreams. It is a daily devotional book. I wrote it uh, based on my social media. I challenged myself to write something positive on my social media every day for a year. And then I took all of that and I turned it into a book. And it's been uh, really great and fun to share that over the last five or so years. I think the book has been out and it's done very well and people enjoy it. So I did a version of it on my YouTube channel. In fact, you can watch all of those. You can watch you can watch a new video every single day of JAT365 on my YouTube. Go to my YouTube channel and find the playlist called JAT365. And in that, you know, they're not dates. They're not dated. So they're just days. So you could start at any time. You don't have to start at the beginning of the year. And, uh, but no, I have not considered doing it on the podcast. I have not, Kevin. And I probably won't just because I will keep that to my YouTube channel and the book. I may call from pieces of it from time to time and that may change. But for now, I'm choosing to not do JAT365 on the podcast. Although JAT365, I would say the podcast is almost an extension of it, really, because I'm in here trying to still give the same good news of that podcast, which is to pursue your dreams, to know your dreams, to write down your dreams and goals and to pursue them on a regular basis. And so I I do it in other ways, like, for example, today, having Alan Arnold's uh, interview and playing his book and stuff as well. But uh, I thank you for the question, Kevin. Thank you so much. What else we got, Bob? Oh, indubbly-doo, indubbly-da. Yes, uh, we have a, this one's a a fun one from uh, Isabel in the United States. Isabel. Okay, Isabel, what do you got? It says, uh, well, uh, hello, I recently started listening to your podcast and I enjoy it. Oh, good. I have a simple question that you can hopefully answer, but if, if not, that's okay. Well, no, we'll, we'll try. We'll try to answer it here. I mean, Bob chose it, so I'm su- I suppose it's a question I can answer then. Is that right, Bob? Oh, yes, it is. It says, has your daughter ever tried doing some voice impressions of characters you have played? <laughs> That's a great question, Isabel. And uh, yes, Bob, see, yeah, of course you picked a good question there. So my daughter, Lydia, is 13 years old, although she will be 14 very soon. And uh, she she does voiceover herself. Uh, her and I have actually been in a movie together. She's been on a, a TV show uh, called uh, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. She plays a character on that. And uh, there's been uh, some uh, some wonderful work she's done as a voice actress herself, though she has told me she doesn't want to be a voice actor. Uh, she wants to be a writer, a uh, ballerina and all of those things, but not, not a voice actor, but she enjoys voice acting from time to time. So she does do some of my voices. Yeah, actually. And we were having this conversation over the weekend. She does great impressions in that she can become the character. She may not sound exactly like them because she can't vocally get to one of my characters. Like, you know, she can't get down to where Hank is, but she can do the mannerisms of Hank and she can perform as the character 
really well. So, like, she can take one of my characters and expand on it and do, like, Mr. Announcer Guy or something, and she will she will perform as them, and she does it very well. So, yes, she's actually quite the uh, good performer in that and quite the good mimic in that. So you don't have to be a perfect mimic to mimic a voice exactly if you can mimic the mannerisms of a character. That's still quite uh, impressive as well, and my daughter does that. So thank you, Isabel. That's a great question. What else we got, Bob? Oh, yeah, yeah. So let's see. Um... We have one from a Jason in Tucson, Arizona. Jason from Tucson. What's Jason say? He says, what is the industry standard for making a demo? For example, how long should it be? How many different characters or segments should there be in a demo? And how long should each last? Oh, okay. Well, a demo. So what is a demo? So for those of you that don't understand uh, this voiceover lingo we're talking about, a demo is a um, a demo of your talents, of your voices and stuff. If you go to jamesarnoldtaylor.com and click on the demos, you can hear all my demos. And so it shows people who you are, what you do, what your voices are and stuff. You know, Jason, I actually, I did a, uh, I did a jet drive about demos and I talk quite extensively about it there. So I would recommend if you have not already go to my channel and watch the jet drive about demos. Let's see if I can uh, let me go. Let me go here and see to my go to go to my own channel and see if I can find it. It is actually jet drive number 20 putting together a voice acting demo. Yeah, so that one uh you can watch that one Jason. And I try to go into the ins and outs of that, but for example, how long should it be? I, I talk about that actually on that chat drive. How many different characters or segments should there be in a demo and how long should each last? I actually cover all of those things in that chat drive. So check that out on my YouTube channel there, Jason, and you will get uh, more information there. And uh, and then uh, is there more on there? Oh, yeah, in, in WD, yes. He says, uh, P.S., I actually have a credit with you for a small project our mutual friend Joe Hogan put together. And then he gives a link on YouTube. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, so Joe Hogan is a dear friend of mine, and he's a very talented artist. He did all the artwork for Clone Wars Conversations, as a matter of fact. Did a great job on all of that, and Joe uh, just does tremendous work. And Jason is a friend of his, and they, in fact, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, I believe it was a video on YouTube, Ghost of Hoth. You can check that out. And uh, go to YouTube and just uh, and click on Ghost of Hoth and check the, out that one, because in that, I voice Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then Jason, who's writing me, Oh, he plays Luke Skywalker in that. Look at that. Okay, so I know who Jason is. That's very cool. Thank you for sharing that, Bob. Oh, yeah, and doobly da Okay, we got time for another one here? Yes, uh, let's uh, let's take a look from uh, Trevor from the United States. Trevor from the United States, yes, okay. Uh, what does he ask? He says, hi, James. Love the podcast so far, and your role is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Have you ever read any of the Clone Wars novels that came out after when the series was canceled, such as Dark Disciple and the Ahsoka novel? And, you know, I get asked this quite a bit. Um, I have not read those books. Dark Disciple, a lot of people ask me about Dark Disciple, and I I think they uh, put a lot of stuff in there from Clone Wars, kind of things that were going to happen or whatever, and they, they used that as a way to kind of get some of those storylines out, which I think is wonderful, but I have not read them. I'll be honest, I am not a huge reader of fiction work. I, I just don't find uh, that I have time to read fiction as much as I would like to. But I hope to, at some point, read those. And I know the Ahsoka novel, everybody's really enjoyed that. And I believe, didn't Ashley Eckstein? I think Ashley uh, did the uh, audiobook of that. So that's pretty cool. But I have not read those books. I'm sorry, Trevor. I'm sorry I have not read them. But uh, I I know that everybody uh, likes those books quite a bit. I 
I read a lot of uh, theology. I, I read the Bible a lot. I read books by uh, theologians um, and stuff like that, uh, stuff about the brain, uh, stuff about uh, our, our creativity and such. I read like my friend Alan Arnold's book and stuff, stuff like that. I don't tend to read a lot of fiction. But maybe I will check those out sometime because so many of you have asked me about that. So thank you just so much, Trevor. Thanks for asking. Okay, we have one from Ethan in the United States. Ethan, yeah, okay. You know what, Bob, let me read this one because I, I, I looked this one over and uh, I'm going to read this one because it's uh, it's very nice. Um, it says, uh, hello, James, this is more of a statement than a question, but I just wanted to thank you for everything that you've done. I had no idea I could have the chance to send you something with you actually reading it. Well, yes, I do. I read these. I read everybody's, okay, guys? Uh, I pretty much grew up listening to your voice, whether it be Ratchet and Clank up your arsenal when I was five, (laughs) TMNT at six, that would be the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, or watching the 2003 Clone Wars with my brother on Toonami. Yeah, oh, Toonami, yeah. You are my definitive Obi-Wan voice whenever someone mentions the character. Well, thank you. Growing up with the characters you have voiced has meant so much to me, and I really hope I have the chance to meet you someday. Thank you for everything you've done for me and so many others. P.S. Ratchet is the absolute best. Sincerely, Ethan. Thank you, Ethan. That is so kind of you. Um, Bob, I appreciate you picking that one out to be read on the show. I get so many emails like Ethan's here from so many of you, and you can go to jamesarnoldtaylor.com, click on the Jat Show link, and then uh, in the drop-down menu, choose a topic. Make sure you choose the Jatcast podcast, and then just write me an email. You can write me a little note. It can be something that I read on the show, or it can just be uh, like Ethan here as a as a thank you for what I do. You know, it can be a question, or it doesn't have to be a question. It can be like this, more of a statement. So there you go. I, I thank you, Ethan. I'm so uh, happy that uh, my work has meant something to you in your life. It, I have to tell y'all, it really does mean the world to me when I get your emails and your comments about the work I do uh, and sharing my faith with you all. And, you know, we dive deeper in that with the interviews and stuff. And this show is my way of diving deeper in that. And I really appreciate all of you that don't necessarily share the same faith as me, but saying, you know, I appreciate that at least you just talk about yours in a fair way. And you're just saying, this is who you are. Cause I'm, again, I'm not trying to push anything on anybody, but I am trying to just show you who I am. That's what this podcast is about. If this podcast never goes anywhere as far as sponsorships or, uh, you know, going farther than the, I don't know, 3,000 or so of you that listen to this on a regular basis. Our work is is done together then. This is what we do and we just keep pushing forward in it because I enjoy, and, and by the way, 3,000 people listening to me is, is mind-boggling to me. The fact that any of you would take any time to listen is fantastic and I do it for all of you. So I'm not doing it just so I can just garner a bunch of new listenership and to create stuff. You know, I've talked in the past about what I, my plans to expand and to do more and to spread kind of the good news of being an ambassador of inspiration to the world. Look, I would love more people to be affected by my energy and uh, what I put out there to the world. And all of that would be wonderful, but really I do it so I can get emails like Ethan's there saying thank you for the work I do and uh, really just means the world to me that all of you enjoy what I do. So thank you for that. Oh yes, well, well, James, I believe we have time just for uh, for another uh, last last little email here. Okay, what do you got? Well, this is from Joshua in the United States. He says, hi there, James. My name is Joshua, and I'm a big fan of yours, and I had two questions for you, one personal and one for voice acting. 
Okay, great. What's the, uh, let's start with the personal one then. Ooh, the personal question is, have you ever felt stuck? Like your life is on repeat and no matter what you try, you can't get out of it. But I'm not talking days, weeks, or months. I'm talking years. How would you get unstuck? Okay. Uh, okay. I want to answer that question, but uh, let's read the second one too first, and then and then I'll go back to the other, and then we'll do this, okay? Okay, very good. Here's the voice acting question. Recently, I saw an animated movie where a character was singing along with a song that they were listening to. The song is part of the soundtrack that was made specially for the movie, which got me wondering, is the voice acting for a scene like that done in ADR or with the initial voice recording? Also, is the song complete by the time you do this, or is it a temp track? I also wanted to let you know that you have been an inspiration to me ever since I saw your show at Star Wars Weekends. In fact, I would go every year you did your show just to see it again and again and get re-energized. I took your words about following your dreams to heart, and as of last year, I made a huge leap towards my dream by not just publishing one, but two issues of an original comic I created, wrote, drew, and did the colors for. I still have a long way to go before fully saying I have reached my dreams, but I am so proud of the steps I have taken. Thank you for taking the time to read this, and hopefully I will get to hear this on the podcast. Well, you are hearing it on the podcast, Joshua. P.S. I was the guy that drew my version of Hank on Twitter. Oh, (laughs) okay, Joshua. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, by the way, the James Arnold Taylor podcast has its own uh, Twitter handle now. It is the Jatcast. So you can follow the podcast and you can follow me, James Arnold Taylor, which is Jat Actor, J-A-T Actor. But uh, yeah, Joshua drew a picture of Hank and posted it. I thought it was great. I thought it looked a lot like it. Actually, you know what, Joshua? That looks a lot like Hank. And Hank saw it and he said, yeah, that actually, that, that, that does look like me, kind of. So he he liked it quite a bit. But, um, you know, thank you. First off, thank you. What a lovely uh, email that you've written here. And so let's, let's take your two questions. I'm going to take them in reverse. The voice acting question you're asking about is there was a song playing like on the radio or on the TV or something and the character was singing along would that song be done? It really depends on the song. It depends on if it's a well-known song or if it was something made specifically for the movie. Say it was a pop song and they just put it in there, then obviously that song's already finished and we would just sing along. But how would we do that? Now, normally, yes, they would, uh, they would have a reference of it in the studio. We would, they would play it. Let's say it was a song that was already finished. Let's say it was a, a Taylor Swift pop song and I, my character had to, uh, Obi-Wan had to sing along to it, you know. Um, then uh, they would play it for me and then they would play it soft in my headphones. Soft though. So I could sing along to it, you see. And then they just have my voice in the clear and then they can mix them in. But if it's an original song for the movie, it would depend. Usually they would have like a scratch track of it done beforehand and they would do the same thing. They would play it in our ear softly in the headphones so it doesn't bleed through the headphones onto the microphone so you can't hear it. So they're just getting our voice reference singing it rather than having us not sing to the music. So, uh, yeah, so that's how they would do something like that. I hope that answers that question. But as far as like other music done on a show or something, the way we would do that is, so sometimes we will do an episode. Now, for example, there was Batman, the Brave and the Bold, the uh, Music Meister episode. All the music was done. And then we went in and recorded the vocals for the songs to the music and then they had to go back in and and finish them and fine tune them and everything and then we recorded the episode after we recorded the music i believe on that one but usually what happens is there is like a temp they give us temp music and a temp vocal 
where the uh, the actual uh, composer sings it just in a temp track or something. Like the Flash uh, uh, DVD that I was talking about, the Lego Flash movie. I sang a song in that. And so they had a temp track and I listened to that and we listened to that. And then we sing along to the tracks and then they take that and they finish the song and put it all together. But uh, that is generally how it works. The song is usually written before we ever go in. They know there's going to be stuff. But every once in a while, I'll do an episode of a show and they'll say, song will be here and they'll kind of put the name of the song. They might even have some of the lyrics, but they don't have us sing any of it or anything. They'll say, we'll do that on another session. So then we would come back maybe three months later and we would sing the song and record the song. So it's, it's done a yes. My, my answer would be yes to kind of all of the above your various guesses of how it could be done. It's done a little, uh, all of those different ways, depending on the particular project, but it's always fun when you get to sing on a show or a movie. And it's done in various different ways each time. Now, your personal question, have you ever felt stuck like your life is on repeat and no matter what you try to do, you can't get out of it? Not talking days, weeks, or months, talking years. How would you get unstuck? Well, uh, yes, I think we've all felt that before. But the one thing I would say is it becomes a state of mind. You know, you don't want to become like Groundhog Day, the old uh, Bill Murray movie, which is a brilliant movie. If you don't know the movie Groundhog Day, go watch it because you'll love it. I think it's on Amazon or Netflix or one of those. You can find it for sure. Uh, what a fantastic movie. And, you know, the funny thing about that movie, I, I watched it with the commentary and Harold Ramis, God bless him. He was such a wonderful writer and comedian and, and, and performer who wrote the film and directed it. Uh, or maybe he, I, I, he may have co-written it, um, but they were talking about how long did they think Bill Murray's character actually was stuck in that time loop of the same day over and over. And they were talking about like thousands of years, like that he was, I mean, it was a long time that he was stuck. Uh, and so we can feel stuck sometimes. We can feel like everything's on repeat. And how do we break free from that? I think we have to start changing up our goals and our attitudes and the way we look at things, but also the way we do stuff. For example, you have to change and break habits. You have to break the habit of being yourself. There's a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by a, a brain scientist and a Dr. Uh, Joe Dispenza. And it's very interesting. You know, it is not a, it's not a Christian book or anything. It is uh, very much more scientific. And I believe he's a Buddhist or something. But uh, he talks about breaking the habit of being yourself, which I think is very interesting, of getting into the subconscious mind and changing things that we do on a regular basis. So if your usual thing is to hang out, to do your day and then get home and then eat your food and then watch something and then do this and then do that, whatever. Start breaking those cycles, so break those habits, break those chains. Even when you're finding yourself talking or complaining or whatever, change it. Let me give you a personal example of what I mean, because I have had that feeling of feeling stuck before, even most recently. And the podcast was one of the things I did to start to feel unstuck because the world of voice acting is changing. As I've talked about, work is slowing down. You've got voices.com, voice one, two, three, you got all these things. There's many reasons somebody can feel stuck and feel like, 
things aren't going uh, the same. And so I try to break out of the doldrums of, wow, voiceover is changing. It's not the same thing anymore. I, I don't get to just go in and do the fun things I always used to and be acknowledged as a guy that can come up with characters and come in because everybody's trying to do voice acting and, and changing it up. So rather than just get depressed and complain about it, I need to try to change my own reality, my own uh, look at everything. So what I have been doing on a nightly basis with my wife is rather than after putting our daughter to bed and all of that stuff, going up, turning on the TV, eating a bowl of cereal and watching stuff, maybe saying a a few prayers and uh, a little time together or maybe playing a game of cards or something or reading a little even, which sometimes I'll do that some nights. What I am doing specifically now instead of that is I am forcing myself, and I don't mean forcing in a negative way, I mean forcing in a positive way, encouraging myself and my wife to take some time and meditate together. And we take about a half an hour or more to sit down, do a meditation together. I talk us through it. We listen to these ones from our uh, Bible app encounter. They have these little ones and those are like 15 minutes. And then we go for another 15 to 20 minutes, just speaking positive things, envisioning ourselves at our best, how we look, how we feel, what that means to be at our best, confident, how we would uh, take in different circumstances that come in, speaking life and health, white blood cells flowing through our bodies, getting our bodies feeling healthy. We, we speak health to our bodies. We speak health to our minds. We, we try to tap into our subconscious mind and speak those positive things into there, breathe those things in, envision those things on a nightly basis. And I have to tell you what, Doing that within the few weeks that we have been doing that, life has changed. Okay? Life changes. Your feelings change. Your brain changes. If you can do it for years, you will accomplish whatever you set your mind to. The old, you know, if you set your mind to it, you can accomplish anything from Back to the Future is actually true. But you have to make the changes and force yourself out of comfort zones. Okay, you know, that's why for me, my faith is so important because I will I will then go to the Bible. I will read something, some scripture. I will do something to break out of that cyclical thinking. And so it's really important to do that, Joshua, uh, to start looking, observing, become an observer of yourself and what you do. And maybe even take a day or a week and make notes of all of those things that are on loop. And then you start observing those and see why they are and what you could do differently each time they come up and start changing those habits to do other things and telling yourself even, I mean, it could be as simple as just saying stop and then saying, so like Norman Vincent Peale, he, uh, he has these little sayings. I believe I'm always divinely guided. I believe I will always take the right turn of the road. I believe God will always make a way where there is no way. So, you know, you, you, Pop yourself out of those things and then you say something like that. You know, I believe I can make a change in my life for the better. I believe I do not have to go down the same routes. And you say these things and you believe them and then you get up and you do something different. So if normally you stay there seated watching something on the computer or playing a game or eating this or doing that, get up and do something completely different than that. Go outside, take your shoes off and put your feet on the grass and wiggle your toes around. Take some big, deep breaths. Uh, You know, change up what you're doing. 
and make a change, a deliberate change of those things. And every time do something different or do something that you want to do, even if you can't actually do the thing you want to do, step outside of that and say, I am going to be a wonderful artist. I'm going to be a wonderful writer. I am going to write a new book this year. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Stepping away, actually, I was talking about this with somebody else earlier this week. I can't remember who. Actually moving away from your computer, physically moving your body out of the space that you're doing that is the time loop, you know, and then getting up in the mornings and you feel like, oh, I'm just getting up and doing the same Then Get up and do something different. Sit up straight in bed and do four big deep breaths, breathing in goodness, newness, health, uh, new thoughts and blowing out and envisioning those words of unhealthy or cyclical thinking, you know, circular thinking, blow those words out and then get out of bed and, you know, put your feet in the carpet and wiggle your toes around. Look out the window for five minutes and take in the beauty of outside. Stare at a tree. Do something different. Break the habit. Okay. Observe yourself and break those habits. That's the best advice I can give on that. And on that note, Joshua, thank you so much. I'm so also uh, honored that you went and saw my show at Star Wars Weekends and were inspired by it and that you were following your dreams and you that you've created some comics. And I look forward to your new comics coming out. Okay. So everybody, uh, you can do like Joshua and all the other kind folks here that have sent me letters and send those and I've already given you the information jamesarnoldtaylor.com the chat show link click on that do the chatcast podcast part on the drop down menu that says choose topic and send me an email and maybe just maybe it'll be read on the show all right okay Bob thank you so much for coming in I appreciate that you're gonna go jump out of a plane or something we, oh yeah we'll, no we'll be doing that this weekend okay all right you surprised me Bob indubbly-doo okay bye-bye bye-bye well, what a great time we've had on the podcast today. Uh, you know, a little different today. We didn't have a ton of voices on the show, but we enjoyed hearing a different voice, Alan Arnold's voice. We're going to conclude that next week, as I mentioned. And uh, please, uh, again, like the show. Give it a nice rating on uh, iTunes. Give it five stars. And come back and join me again for another episode of Talking to Myself, the Jatcast, the James Arnold Taylor podcast. Uh, shall we bring in Mr. Announcer Guy to do the big thing that he does at the end of the show? Oh, Mr. Announcer Guy! Oh, yes, James. How do you do... You read stuff really fast and well. You never seem to mess up when you read. Do you ever mess up? I don't think so. Hmm. <laughs> you got a little smug face about you when you did that. Yes, I got quite smug. No, I, uh... It's years and years of practice, James. Years and years of practicing, seeing, doing that. That's the flip side of the circular thing, right? Doing something over and over and over again and becoming an expert at it. That's a great thing, Mr. Announcer Guy. Thanks for bringing that up. You got it, James. All right, read the end of the show, and then we'll say goodbye. Talking to Myself, the James Arnold Taylor Podcast is a production of Yumigo Inc. Recorded at Jet Studios. Engineered, written, recorded, and produced by, you guessed it, James Arnold Taylor. All voices are parody and should be construed as entertainment only. All music and sound effects used with permissions and licenses through Backtracks, Digital Juice, Production Tracks, and Partners in Rhyme. James Arnold Taylor's Talking Myself, the podcast, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. You never mess up. Yes, it's almost like it's pre-recorded. Oh, shh, don't give away the secret. All right, Mr. Announcer Guy, we'll see you next week. And all of you, thanks for joining me on the James Arnold Taylor podcast. Talking to myself. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.